1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we're continuing our series on four things we must confess. And we are learning who we are in Christ, and now we're learning where we are in Christ. As we've learned, God's Word has creative power. If you go back to Genesis, you go back to the beginning, that's how our Heavenly Father spoke everything into existence. He spoke, and it was. He framed this world with His words. And in your life, you frame your world with the words that come out of your mouth. And so the best thing is to be positive. The best thing is to say what God has said in His Word. The best thing is to say what God says about your life. One of our main verses in this series has been Proverbs 18 and verse 21, which says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And most people, even many believers, they're speaking death the majority of the time. And it would be far better for most of us if we didn't say anything. You know, it's better to say nothing than to be negative. But there's something far better, and that is to be positive, there's something far better, and that is to say what the Word of God says. To live a victorious life. And that's the life to live. A life that is victorious, a life of answered prayer, a life of blessing. To live a victorious Christian life, you must know and confess who you are in Christ and where you are in Christ. Many believers are defeated because they don't know who they are in Christ. And they don't know where they are in Christ. And as we'll get to, they don't know what belongs to them in Christ. The second thing we must confess is where we are in Christ. And as we've learned, where are we in Christ? We have been crucified with Christ. Say, I have been, I have been crucified, crucified with, Christ. with Christ. Where are we in Christ? Well, the Bible says that we died with Christ. The old man, the old you, whoever that was, the old you has been crucified with Christ. Say, I have been, I have been. crucified with Christ. Crucified. Say, I have died with Christ. Died. Say, the old me, the old me. Is, gone, is gone, is dead, is, dead. is buried, buried with, Christ. with Christ. You know, this morning after the message, after the offering, we're going to have water baptism. 
And that's what water baptism symbolizes. That the old you, the old man, the old woman is dead and buried with Christ and that you have been raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. And water baptism is a public profession of that fact. That you're a new man, you're a new woman in Christ Jesus. But that's, that's not where it ends. We find out, we found out in this series that we have been raised with Christ. Say, I have been raised with Christ. So yes, we have a new life, but part of that new life is we have been raised with him. And we have also ascended with him. Say, I have ascended with Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 21, Paul tells us that Christ has been seated far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's true of Christ, but it's also true of you and me. So in our lives, we have authority. We have dominion over the devil. We have authority. We have dominion over every work of the enemy. Say, I have ascended with Christ. Say, I have dominion over every work of the enemy. So in our lives, we ought not tolerate. In our lives, we should not put up with we should not permit any work of the enemy. You've heard us say, I grew up hearing my father say that John 10.10 10 is the dividing line of the Bible, that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Some translations say, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. And a lot of believers, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to pray because they're unsure of, well, what is Satan doing versus what is God doing? Well, Jesus gave us the answer. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it is the enemy. It is Satan. It is the devil. It is, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And so in our lives, we have authority. We have dominion. And we ought not permit, we ought not tolerate, we ought not put up with any work of the enemy. And regardless of what anyone has told you or taught you, in Christ, we can rise above the circumstances. In God, we can rise above the circumstances of life by standing on the Word, by taking action on the Word, by believing and confessing what the Word of God says, we can rise above the circumstances. But it also brings us to the fact that you and I, we each have to take responsibility for our lives and for our circumstances. Got to stop blaming others. Got to stop blaming the devil. Got to stop blaming the Lord. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, stop blaming the Lord. Got to stop blaming your husband or wife. Got to stop blaming your fifth grade teacher or whoever it was. You've got to take responsibility for your life and your circumstances. What are you believing? What are you thinking? What are you saying? What are you confessing? What action are you taking? you got to come to grips with that so you can change your life for the better. you got to choose. Say choose. choose. Tell your neighbor, say you have to choose. Tell, tell your other neighbor, say you have to choose. You have to choose in your life to drive the devil and his works out of your life and out of your circumstances. And this is a sign of revival. When people decide they've had enough and they decide they're going to get rid of the devil and get rid of his works. And there's an example of this in the book of Acts, 
In Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 8, Luke writes, verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue, and that's in Ephesus, and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe, and they publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with them and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And so the, the Gentiles there in Ephesus, the Jews, excuse me, the Jews there in Ephesus, they did not receive Paul with arms wide open. And they got to the point where Paul had a decision to make, and he went to speak to the Gentiles. And so he began to speak to the Gentiles there in Ephesus. You see in verse 10 that he, he did this faithfully, daily. So say faithfully. faithfully. Say daily. daily. Look at how long, for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. As we learned two Sundays ago on June 13th, what Paul was doing here was he was simply carrying out the instructions of Jesus in Matthew 28. Paul was fulfilling the Great Commission. He was making disciples and he was teaching them to obey. That, that's what leads to a life of victory. That's what leads to a life of blessing. If you want to live a blessed life, you want to live a victorious life in Christ, you got to hear the Word of God consistently. Paul said in Romans, faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But then you not only have to hear the Word of God, you have to do as James said in the book of James, you have to become a doer of the Word. you got to begin taking action on the Word you're hearing, and that's what leads to victory. Obedience leads to victory. Mark 16 tells us that God confirms His Word. So Paul was teaching... He was teaching daily. This went on for two years. And what does God do? What does Mark chapter 16 tell us? God confirms his word. Look at verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus... Whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Not a good thing. But Luke is making clear here that these young men, they were trying to imitate Paul, but they didn't have the authority to do what they were doing. You got to be a part of the family. You got to repent of your sins. Make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You have to truly be a part of the family. And these young men weren't. They were just trying to imitate Paul. Verse 16, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. The Bible speaks of that. What is in darkness being brought into the light? God, God is moving when people are repenting. God is moving when people are renouncing the works of darkness. God is moving when what is in darkness is being brought into the light. It's a sign. It's an indication that, that God is moving and people are responding and people are taking action. Verse 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together, and burned them publicly. They burned them publicly. 
So one sign of revival is when people decide they've had enough and they, they want the devil out of their life, they want the devil out of their circumstances. They want the works of the devil out of their life and out of their circumstances. And an example here is in Acts chapter 19 when it says they brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. See, the, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And I'm not going to clothesline preach this morning. But even as I, as I deal with this, the Holy Spirit might be putting things on your heart that are in your life, they're in your home, they're in your family. You need to go home, you need to get a garbage bag, you need to gather them up and not give them to someone. You don't, you don't give someone something that can mess them up, amen? But to go through your life, your house, and to gather up what is displeasing to the Lord and to get it out of your life, out of your home, out of your family, so though it's not there, amen? Just last night I was reading in the book of Joshua about Achan, and the Bible says that they could not stand against their enemies until what belonged to the Lord was removed from their midst. And another aspect of that is we cannot stand against our enemies. We cannot live a life of victory when A, either there are things in our house that belong to the Lord, or B, there are things in our house that are displeasing to God. You got to get it out of your life. You got to get it out of your home. You got to get it out of your family. Amen? And now with everything digital, technology, you may have to delete some things. You may have to uninstall some apps. You may have to delete some things off of iTunes. You might say, I paid $100 for that. Who cares? Delete it. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your family. There are certain things that have no business in a Christian home. You know, if you're, you're a believer, you shouldn't be putting your daily horoscope on Facebook. The works of Satan, the things of Satan have no place in a Christian home or a Christian family. If you came up to me and asked me what sign I am, I, I have no idea because that has nothing to do with me. I am a part of the family of God. Amen? So they, they decided they had had enough. And so what were they doing? They were getting the devil out of their life and out of their circumstances. So you have to choose. Tell your neighbor, say choose. choose. Tell your other neighbor, say choose. choose. You, you got to choose to drive the devil out of your life, out of your circumstances. You have to decide you're not going to tolerate. You're not going to permit anything that is of the devil. You're going to get it out of your life, out of your circumstances. You're not going to permit it or tolerate it anymore. And you can do that because in Christ Jesus, you have the authority. Smile and tell your neighbor, say, you have the authority. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have the authority. See, we have greater authority than we realize. And so there are things going on that we have permitted that we have tolerated, that we have put up with, and you have to just decide. You've had enough, and you want it out of your life, out of your home, out of your family, out of your circumstances. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, Paul writes, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ, or with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up. That, that's every believer. That's not just pastors or those in full-time ministry. He raised us. That is every believer. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Where? With the Father. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in 
Christ Jesus. Well, that's a place of victory. That's not a place of defeat. That's a place of success. That is not a place of failure. Say, I have been raised with Christ. Say, I have ascended with Christ. Say, I am seated with Christ. Well, that's a position of victory. That's not a position of worry. That's not a position of fear. That's not a position of wondering what you're going to do. You have been seated in the place of victory with Christ. So stop letting circumstances tell you what to do. Stop letting this wicked culture tell you what you're going to do or what you're supposed to put up with or tolerate in life or how much you're supposed to have in life. In Christ, we are no longer limited by life circumstances. And in Christ, we can overcome the circumstances, whatever they are. It could be a financial challenge. It could be a challenge in your physical body. It could be a challenge in your home, in your marriage or family. It could be a challenge with the child. It could be a challenge with the little one. It could be a challenge with a child that is older and has left home. You can rise above and overcome life circumstances, whatever they are. You have the authority in Christ Jesus. Say, I have the authority. Say, I have the dominion. Remember, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that we are in the place far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So we have the victory. So we're not trying to get the victory. We're not trying to win the victory. We're not trying to obtain the victory. We have, past tense, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. So we've got to act like it. We've got to talk like it. We've got to believe like it. You've got to go to work like you have the victory, amen? You've got to come to church, leave church like you have the victory. Whatever the situation is, you've got to believe like, confess like, and act like you have the victory. Say, I'm a winner. Say, I'm a victor in Christ Jesus. Now, how are we victorious over Satan? Luke 10 and verse 17. And I dealt with this more two Sundays ago. You know, pastor at 9 a.m. mentioned the, the daily Bible reading. Just reading the Bible and reading the Bible through. And, and if you're a new believer, I would encourage you to start with Paul's epistles, then the Gospels. If you want something quick and easy to read, you could read the Gospel of Mark. Read some of Paul's shorter epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So you don't have to start in Leviticus. Amen. But one benefit of reading the Word of God and reading the Word of God in its entirety is it does away with a lot of wrong ideas and wrong beliefs. Because one of the things you'll hear said is, well, only the 12 did this and only the 12 did that. And when the last one of them died, that was it. And God never did anything like that ever again. Well, when someone talks like that, it tells me not only have they not read the New Testament and not only have they not read the book of Acts, they haven't, they haven't even read the Gospels. Look at Luke 10 and verse 17, the 72. So not, not the 12, not the three amongst the 12. Who? The 72, a group beyond the 12. They returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So we dealt with this two Sundays ago, that just as Jesus sent out the 12, he sent out a larger group, the 72, who did the same works. They, they healed the sick, they cast out devils, they raised the dead, and they says, Luke says, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, when you think about it, this is before the death 
burial, and resurrection of Christ. So these men were not even born again. This was before Pentecost. They had not even received the Holy Spirit. They were simply disciples or followers of Jesus who had been given authority. And Jesus told them to heal the sick and to cast out devils. So how much authority should you and I have as those who are born again, as those who are new creations in Christ? How much authority should you and I have when we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, when because of what Jesus did, our sins have been literally washed away, remitted from us, canceled out as if they never were, when because of what Jesus did for us, we have the infilling, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, how much authority should we walk in? Well, it should be at least this and more. The issue is we've got to know the authority that belongs to us, and we've got to walk in the authority that has been delegated to us. Look at Luke 10, beginning in verse 18. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's his way of saying, guys, I know you're excited, but let me tell you, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority. And the word, therefore, authority means right, privilege, authority. It's exousia. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, say all, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Well, if this is what he said, we've got to either believe it or not believe it. I've given you authority to overcome how much of the power of the enemy? All, All the power of the enemy. So as I said two Sundays ago, it doesn't matter if somebody's got a little doll of Austin that they're, they're, they're poking with needles, practicing voodoo. That, that has nothing to do with me because I am in Christ. And where am I in Christ? I am seated with him in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. And he has given unto us, unto me, unto you, unto every believer, the authority to overcome how much of the power of the enemy? All the power of the enemy. Now, I know Hollywood likes to glamorize and glorify the power of the devil. But it's nothing compared to the power and the authority of Almighty God. You go back to Exodus. And Moses, before Pharaoh, threw down his staff and it turned into a serpent. Well, there were sorcerers and magicians there of Egypt. They did the same thing. The, the works of the enemy, the power of Satan is real, but the power of God is greater. And so they did that. But then the, the serpent that had become a serpent from Moses' rod, it ate the serpents of the pharaohs, of the magicians, excuse me, the magicians of Egypt. God's power is greater. And God's authority that we have in Christ, it trumps all the power and every work of the enemy. Authority trumps ability and power. So it doesn't matter how much of a show Satan puts on. If someone foams at the mouth, if someone falls to the floor, however theatrical it is, the authority that we have in Christ Jesus, it is greater every single time. We just have to speak and to use the authority that we have. We just have to determine that we're not going to put up with it. We're not going to tolerate it. That the show has gone on and we have had enough and we are going to drive him out of our life and out of our circumstances. You read through the Gospels when demons would put on displays through people. Jesus never once panicked. Jesus never, never once worried. Je Jesus never once got scared and thought, oh, oh you know, this, this is a difficult situation. He simply spoke and the evil spirits obeyed 
every single time. See, we, we got to understand the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. We often think that the more emotionally we pray or the louder we pray, that, that our prayers are going to have more authority. No, no, no. You just simply need to know who you are in Christ and where you are in Christ and pray in faith in the name of Jesus and speak in faith in the name of Jesus. We have authority, and authority trumps ability. Authority trumps power every single time. So you got to see yourself as our Heavenly Father sees you. you got to see yourself as Jesus Christ sees you. So I have been given authority to overcome all, say it again, say all, the power of the enemy. Say nothing will harm me. Nothing will harm my family. Nothing will harm my children. Nothing will harm my church family. Nothing will harm my school family. Say it again. Say, I have been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing. Say it again. Say, nothing will harm me. Well, we have to believe it. And we have to think it. And we have to say it and confess it. And then we have to act like it is so in our lives. And stop acting as if we're scared of what the devil is doing. And stop acting as if we're worried about what the devil is doing. And stop acting as if we're, we're concerned about his power or whatever show he's putting on. You have to realize who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, and the authority that you have in Christ Jesus to overcome all of his power, all of his works, every single one of them. Look over at Matthew chapter 28. This was after the resurrection, but before Jesus ascended to his Father in heaven. And Jesus gave the disciples a commission, an assignment. This is what he told them in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. He came to them and said, All authority, again, exousia, right, privilege, authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then what did he say? Did he say, stay home? Did he say, do nothing? Did he say, live your life in fear? Did he say, be a doer of the word unless it's 2020? Did he say, wait until the government tells you it's safe and okay to go to church? No. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ. You know, used to, a long time ago. Now it's probably 10, 15 years ago. For a while it was popular to say, what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say? Well, well, that's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, before believers were called Christians, they were first known as followers of the way. What way? Living like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. And the Bible says that they were first called Christians, which means little Christ at Antioch. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do this morning, amen. And teaching them to obey everything. Say, everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this was the commission, the assignment. Go, make disciples, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Well, as we know, after Jesus said this, he ascended into heaven. And as we've been learning, he, right now, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Jesus has not been on planet Earth for more than 2,000 years. So how does God accomplish anything? Well, R.W. Schambach, a great evangelist, when he was alive, he would say that what God has done in your life, God now wants to do through your life. Say, what God has done in me, God wants to do through me. Sometimes when we teach on prayer, I'll, I'll include the quotation by John Wesley. John Wesley was a great revivalist. He was an Anglican. His father was an Anglican minister, but he, he had the idea to begin preaching outside. And uh, part of it was he was not welcomed in the Church of England. So he would preach outside, but he was mightily used of the Lord in his day, his generation. But once he said this about prayer, that it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him or makes a request of him. And why is that? It's because of the authority that has been delegated to us. We are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. A lot of times we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. Or we're wondering why the Lord doesn't do something about a certain situation. But he's wondering why we don't do something about it. Because his authority has been delegated to us. As R.W. Schambach so wonderfully said, what God has done in your life, God wants to do through your life. Jesus has empowered the church to exercise his authority here on the earth. He has delegated his authority to us. Matthew 16, 19 says, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know the Roman Catholics like to believe that this is only for them and only for Peter, but if you read the Greek, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus is the rock upon which the church is built. Not any man, not any denomination, not any person or personality. Jesus is the rock upon which we stand. And Jesus said, this is for all believers. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, or forbid, some translations say forbid. Whatever you bind or forbid on earth will be bound or forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit on earth will be loosed or permitted in heaven. So that's why, as I said, you have got to take responsibility for your own life. What have you been permitting? What have you been allowing? And what have you been forbidding? What have you been not allowing in your life? Whatever you bind or forbid on earth will be bound or forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit on earth will be loosed or permitted in heaven. So you just got to decide that you're going to stop tolerating certain things. Just got to decide you're going to stop putting up with certain things. Just got to decide you're going to drive the devil and his works, stealing, killing, destroying, bad at it. You know, last Sunday was Father's Day Sunday. I mentioned rebellion, not allowing rebellion, a spirit of rebellion, which the Bible compares to witchcraft to go on in the home. You just got to decide. You're not going to have it, not going to tolerate it, not going to put up with it, that you, for, it is forbidden. Anybody grow back up in the day when things were actually forbidden? It is forbidden. And you might have to go home and say, from this day forward, certain things are forbidden in this house. You have the authority in Christ Jesus. You have the authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit or allow on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have his authority. Say, I have his authority. But this raises a question. It raises several. If we have his authority, why are we sick? If we have his authority, why are we defeated? If we have his authority, why are we living in fear or worry? 
If we have his authority, why do we wake up in the morning and wonder about what government officials are going to do? If we have his authority, why are needs unmet? We have his authority. The issue is we have to walk in it. Say, I have to walk in it. Believers do without, not because it is the will of God. Believers do without because they don't know who they are and where they are in Christ. They fail to see and understand and know and walk in their true position and standing in Christ. Jesus has delegated his authority to us. He has given us the right to use his name to conduct kingdom business here on earth in his absence. And then that's why out there in the world, when, when people pray, the last thing they want you to do is to pray in the name of Jesus. That, that's why at government events, that's why at sporting events, that's why even now at the, the stock show in Fort Worth, that they don't invite Holy Spirit-filled believers to pray over the event because they don't want someone to pray to the Father in whose name? In the name of Jesus. Because it's that name that has authority and power. And it works every single time. But he has delegated the authority to us. He has given us his name to use here in that, his absence. And so when we speak in his name, we have authority. When we speak in his name, heaven hears and heaven backs us up. So in your life, whatever's going on, whatever the circumstances you got to decide you've had enough. you got to decide, this is of God, this is of the devil, and I'm not going to permit anything that's of the devil in my life, in my home, in my family anymore. And I'm going to drive him out. And you drive him out not by being emotional. You drive him out not by trying to put on a great big display. You drive him out by simply speaking in faith in the name of Jesus. Because it's be of the authority that we have in Christ. Authority trumps power. Authority trumps ability every time. Say, I'm going to drive him out. Say, I'm not going to permit the works of the enemy in my life. I'm not going to permit any stealing, any killing, any destroying. I'm not going to permit evil and wickedness in my home. Or on the internet devices in my home. I'm not going to permit sickness and poor health and physical challenges in my home. I'm not going to permit lack and not enough and struggling in my home. I'm going to drive those works out. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to be who God's called me to be in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, 
call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.